I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. It's another Sunday edition of the Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast. Justin Cuthbert and Julian McKenzie. And it feels like it's been a long time. But it's only been about two weeks or so. But you and I That's back a in the long saddle, time for me. It's a lot. I mean, it's a, it's not a long time for you to be on podcasts in general, Julian. I'm sure you've done about 30 since we last spoke. But for yes. you and I, this has been a while. So it's nice to reconvene as we head down the home stretch here. Uh, you know, this is also like a big spot for you. Not necessarily a big, you know, important moment. But you got to carry us through this because I have not watched all the hockey in the world. You can tell by... The uh, the tan that popped up as out of nowhere here, if you are watching on YouTube, <laughs> uh, that uh, I wasn't spending all my time in front of televisions. I did catch some hockey, though, uh, and enough to talk about it throughout this podcast. But you might have to carry the load just a just a touch here, Julian. Here's the thing, man. The way this dynamic is like I you're the center. I'm the winger. So like if you're not able to feed me, I'm not able to score. I watch as much hockey as I can. So if, if you ain't ready for this. We're, this is going to be a very interesting show. That's all I'm just going to say. <laughs> no, you're going to give me some Mitch Marner tap-ins. It doesn't have to be the Austin Matthews. Not that I'd ever consider, consider myself in the same orbit as Austin Matthews. Maybe a Michael Bunting thing here. But uh, did you, you, you got to be the Mitch Marner today. Did you see that list of the top 10 most marketable Canadian athletes that uh, came out earlier this week? I did. I did. To go along with the Canada soccer triumph, right? Yeah. And also, I think Mitch Marner is like somewhere on that list that reminded you just reminded me of the fact that Mitch Marner is among the 10 most marketable Canadian Where's athletes. He? he is on the list. He's like near the bottom the same list. Rick I Westhead's I, list. Yeah. Rick Westhead's list. He's there. Really? How did I not? Yeah. I, he's near the bottom of that. I'm surprised more Leafs fans didn't make a big deal about it because he's from what I remember, he's there. So Connor and Sid are there for sure. Hockey players. I remember that Sid is like the, the, the top one for sure amongst hockey players. And, and then Connor's like Lance there. Stroll, there's some like randoms, like Lance Stroll's not random, I guess, but he's not no. like, a, he's not like a superstar in his sport, but he's on there. Cause F1 so huge, but Eugenie Bouchard on the over Andrescu and Leila Annie Fernandez. So, you know, it's like, it's not all about on field prowess or on ice prowess, but uh, number one, importantly is Alfonso Davies. And we haven't discussed what happened in Canada soccer. I unfortunately was away for the entire thing went to a mm-hmm. bar in Mexico to enjoy the first game, them qualifying. Hopefully, of course, they lost. I missed the second game in which they won at home and was on a plane for the third game. So I didn't get to revel in the glory that is Canada soccer. But I, like you, was glued to the announcement on, I believe it was Friday, uh, where mm-hmm. that list did come out, where Alfonso Davies is, of course, the number one most marketable athlete in Canada. And that is only going to grow over the next couple months here as we lead up into the world cup and of course if he does anything on the pitch in qatar that's special uh that stock is only going to continue to rise yeah mark Mar- by the way marner eighth on that list uh in front of Jeannie bouchard and chase claypool in the nfl uh, you mentioned lance stroll he's third on that list Sidney crosby and Connor mcdavid round out that top five i don't think we've made enough light of the number two athlete on this list i have been laughing about this for like three days. Who is, who is it again? Tristan Thompson. Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yes. But that's so cool. It's cool to see that, like, you know what? Like, maybe this was like five years ago. Maybe it's Connor McDavid or Sidney Crosby. But it is fun to see that our, our, our countrymen and countrywomen 
in terms of sports all over the world have done so well. And it's not just Mitch Marner and, and Connor McDavid and Sidney Crosby grabbing headlines. It's Alfonso Davies. It's Lance Stroll, one of the more popular sports in the world. And we've learned that if you are associated with the Kardashian family, that also helps in the case of Tristan. So, yeah, interesting list. Before Tristan Thompson was of Kardashian fame, he was hanging out at TSN when I worked there coming out of high school. Uh, and he pointed at me when I was at my desk and say, hey, you stop sleeping at your desk. <laughs> and <laughs> I had no response for Tristan in the moment, but uh, uh, he at least had a sense of humor back then. You know, that's my fellow brand. That's Brampton on Brampton. And then I violence. tweeted at him, say it. And I said, hey, man, I run the basketball courts in Brampton still. So watch who you're talking Ooh. to. And he did tweet back saying, LOL, I believe. It was a long time okay. ago. I may have deleted that tweet now. You know, erasing the past and so on and so forth. Okay. <laughs> Running the courts in Brampton, huh? All right. Oh, yeah, I, I see how that. Okay. All right. You'd you, be surprised, you, Julian. Be surprised. You nice with it, huh? <laughs> nice with it. All right. All right let's, let's talk about uh, hockey. Let's get into it because, you know, uh, I don't have much to back, back up the claim that I run the streets in Brampton. Um, the NHL has yeah. been terrific over the last month, two weeks. I missed some great hockey. And I kept asking myself when I came back and I was trying to catch up and watching all these fantastic games, Florida, five unanswered goals to come back against Jersey yesterday. Mm-hmm. Has the NHL ever been better? Honestly, like think the eight teams we've known are going to be in the playoffs in the Eastern conference, no intrigue at all. And yet it is so exciting every night watching either Florida or Toronto or Tampa or Boston or Pittsburgh or Carolina it doesn't even matter. They're just jockeying for position and the stakes seem high and the entertainment value is through the roof. There's really only one race. It's Vegas or Dallas. Maybe Edmonton you can throw in there, maybe LA, but it all comes down to, okay, nine teams for eight spots. It seems in the Western conference. And yet the Edmonton Oilers are appointment viewing and everything else that's going on out West, Colorado, Calgary. I want to watch them all the time. If you're watching 10 teams, the hockey has never been better in the NHL, at least for me, with all these teams running up scores, comebacks, blown leads. It just seems like in this moment in time, the product is as good as it's ever been. And I've mentioned this on the show a few times. Jamie Benn, 2015, won the Art Ross with 87 points. I believe five players have exceeded 87 points already. We're going to have two 60-goal scorers, maybe. We could have a handful of 50-goal scorers. We could have a handful of players that exceed 100 points. I mean, this is like a completely different game than it was seven years ago when I was calling out Tristan Thompson at the TSN newsroom. Everything is different, it seems, in the NHL. And there are bad teams and there are some embarrassing stories and bad things happening at the lower end. Actually, they have improved. Like Montreal is better. Phoenix, Arizona, I mean, better. A lot of, like, there's some improvement. Buffalo is respectable now. But despite the lack of intrigue in terms of playoff races, the NHL right now is on fire. Do you agree with me? I I was thinking about this and like it, there's no other time that I've watched the NHL where I've seen the scoring as much as it has because I think the the amount of goals per game in games is the highest it's been in like over tw- in almost tw- over 20 years or like since 96 mm-hmm. like it, it, it's been a while since we've seen this many goals in a game the blown comebacks like even Tampa against Montreal had like a 3-1 lead they blew that lead and lost in a shootout against the Canadians uh, I watched a game earlier this week with the Canadians. You can tell, obviously, you know, watching the Canadians a lot. They they lost like a game against the Panthers, like seven to four. There was like an eight four game against the Jets earlier this year too with the Canadians. Like, there's been so much scoring. It's it is interesting to see that it has been as good, and and we've seen the back and forth between teams. So yeah, I can't think of another time where at least the on ice product, on top of the fact that Trevor guys like Trevor Zegers are just casually doing the lacrosse move. Yeah, Zegers just. In a game, which I know we'll get to later. Yeah, I, I, I think for me with the on-ice product, I, it's really good to see that we're getting these types of games, especially now as we're approaching the end of the year, where we're getting out of the lull of the trade deadline. Uh, there was a point earlier in the year, like after Christmas, where I think with COVID and everything going on, I think people were starting to check out with everything going on. Now's like a really good time ahead of the playoffs to dial yourself back in and get yourself ready for those first round series. Because we all know when it comes to the Stanley Cup playoffs, as great as they can be, 
throughout the entirety of it, a lot of those really great matchups and a lot of those really great games, they tend to happen in those first two rounds with like just wall-to-wall hot playoff hockey all day. Mm-hmm. The one thing that I just have like a, a small gripe with, well, maybe not a small gripe. It's a gripe that we've talked about a lot on the show, but it just feels kind of, I'll explain why it's minuscule in a second. I, I just wish it was just a little bit more personality driven. I just think right. the personalities for a lot of those different teams, they're not, obviously they're just not on the same level as so many other leagues in, in the big four of North American sports. But I just have this weird feeling with the way that Trevor Zegras has been made out to be a star. And again, we'll talk about some of the stuff that he said later in light of some stuff that's happened, the way that he was able to put himself in front. A guy like Jack Hughes, who I think is maybe undercovered as a star. And I think he is showing signs of personality uh, or it, I don't know if you caught the last episode of, of zone time. We we're talking about, uh, you know, guys on, on the Leafs who are interesting and, a point was made that maybe William Nylander should be hyped up as more of a celebrity because of the fact he just doesn't care. There Mm. are personalities who could be helping to drive this league. They just haven't done a sufficient job of it. And I think that would also help to to kind of prop up the excitement in this league right now, because you're right. Like the games that we're seeing, like there's some really exciting stuff happening every night, but there's something missing in order to really make it good. And like the, I mean, don't get us started about how the NHL should be marketing all of this. And maybe they're not necessarily doing the greatest job, but if you are paying attention and you're watching, there's good stuff. Well, the perfect example then is Austin Matthews, right? Because um, the last game out or two games out, um, he's chasing down 50 goals. Like it's, it is so obvious that he is completely hell bent on scoring. It's the only thing that matters in the game. Every time he touches the puck, the crowd's going crazy and it's very much a thing. It's a thing he's chasing. It's a thing he understands that means something to that game in that moment because they're going off on a four-game road trip. They'd like to get that 50th goal at home. Of course, it happens into an empty net. And despite him showing, you know, not having the poker face, showing that he cares, showing that this matters to him, showing that it matters to the team, he scores that 50th goal in an empty net. He kind of like celebrates sort of modestly, but there, there is at least a smile on his face. But there's a chance for him to stand up, do a Blue Jays-style curtain call after a Grand Slam, and guess what? 50 goals in a season is Grand Slam worthy, and to just wave at the crowd and have a little fun with it. But instead, he's sitting on the bench, and like he's, got, you know, he's getting a couple taps from his teammates. But that is a moment. Scoring 50 goals is something that you can enjoy and should enjoy. And you're right. Like, you know, Matthews has personality. He also has that two-school too cool for school nature about him yes, and i think does. those things are like conflicting at all times when you know i i don't know if there's a player that would really enjoy that 50th goal but in that moment with everything that went into that game with all the atmosphere and the in the energy from the crowd them cheering and getting excited every time he went near the puck him responding by like having these shifts where it's clear that that's the only thing on his mind uh, it would have been nice to actually see him enjoy the 50th goal, let the hair down for a second and just give the crowd a wave. But, you know, it's it's back to, hey, I'm not bigger than the team. Let's let's dial it back in, even though this was the story of the entire game. Counterpoint is Austin Matthews more excited about scoring 60 goals than 50 because, hey, look, the 50th goal in an empty net. Fine. Maybe you hold yourself back. But dude has a legitimate chance to score 60 goals. And I don't know about you. If I was Austin Matthews, I'd be, I'd be thinking like, okay, I want to hit 60. Because I think hitting 50 was a fight, was a foregone conclusion. We know he was going to hit was. that. If he hits 60 goals, that's something I think he should really be like, that's something you got to celebrate if you're Austin Matthews. Oh, so that's my counterpoint for that. Uh, I think I, it would probably be a bigger deal. I think 50 goals is actually the third most important touchstone on this season. Uh, potentially because 60 goals obviously would be bigger. A 60 is more impressive than 50, but also yes. 55 in breaking Rick Vives' record. If that happened on home ice, he's at 51 now, three more games. The way he's scoring, it's literally a goal per game. It lines up for him to score the 55th goal, break Rick Vives' record. Then there would probably be like a stoppage in play where they would recognize on the video board what happened then maybe there's that wave in that moment where he can actually like show how much it means to him and the team and the fans and everything uh maybe that's what it is but uh 60 goals is possible and i guess we can sort of you know we're, we've already transitioned in the matthews conversation here but i i wonder because 
this chase is ongoing and it's not just for 55 goals. It's not just for 60 goals. It's for the rocket Richard and to defend the rocket Richard with Leon Dreisaitl suddenly nipping at his heels. Again, Matthews is pulled ahead by two goals because Leon didn't score in his last game, but Dreisaitl and the Oilers have went bananas over the last couple of weeks. At least it seems Dreisaitl scoring a hat trick, tying him. It felt like it was inevitable that Matthews was going to win this thing. And all of a sudden they were tied again, but Matthews is up to the challenge. But I do wonder, with this happening and the Leafs playing okay. Like it's has been good and bad up and down better against good teams and bad against bad teams. And all that is, is sort of the psychology of this team, but that's a story for another day. But Matthews in this latest run here where he is chasing 50, he's chasing 55, 60 face uh, going head to head with Leon Dreisaitl, the rest of his game, and the rest of the performance for the best line in hockey, at least at one point in the season, has tailed off a little bit. And I wonder about it because remember last year at the end of the year when it was all about getting Connor McDavid to 100 points in 56 games and the Oilers like achieved their optimum, which was just getting Connor McDavid to do his thing. I feel like the opposite is at play here where the Leafs are thinking way too much about getting Austin Matthews goals. And when they're out there, it's kind of paralyzing things and they're not playing the way that they were at least earlier when it was coming naturally. So if it is about 60 and it's going to take till game 81, 82 to get to 60, I wonder how the last, last, you know, three weeks of the season goes here for the Maple Leafs. That is intriguing. And what should this be a bigger deal? I mean, knowing that the Leafs haven't, won the first round and they should put themselves in a position to be, you know, essentially ready for as much of a playoff run as they could do. But also like the Leafs are going to make the playoffs. I mean, the way that the division looks and all that, I don't oh, think yeah. they're, even if they, even if they somehow fall, I don't even know what the points are at this point, but even if they fall out of the division, like and they end up in a wild card spot, like the teams below them are so far behind that there's no way that they end up losing ground on that. Right. No. Like they're, I can, I mean, I they can, can fall in the wild card for sure. Boston's That's it. two points back. I don't think they can yeah. catch Florida because Florida keeps winning, but it's only, I think it's seven points. Uh, and Tampa and Toronto are locked at 93 points in the second and third positions. So I think like if you're Toronto right now, yeah, that's the biggest thing you could really push for if, unless you are so concerned about your playoff position at this point. But I, I think if you're the Leafs, like why not like make this happen for Austin Matthews and do everything you can to ensure he gets to, to 60 goals especially if it if it still results in in some wins for the team this is not as if like the, the Leafs have just completely changed their game so much and it's affecting them negatively or a lot more differently than what we've seen them throughout the year I mean hey they were blowing leads when they weren't thinking so much about 60 for Austin Matthews anyway you know what's what what harm is it in them trying to make it happen for Austin Matthews at the very least uh that's a big victory for them uh, at least for Austin Matthews, no matter how this season goes from here on out till the Stanley Cup is awarded. So I, I haven't made that uh, close of an observation in terms of how they've changed their play into ensuring that, you know, Austin Matthews locks down the Rocket Richard trophy. But I think considering the fact that the playoffs are in hand, it doesn't hurt to kind of prioritize that. Uh, I think the Florida Panthers are the best example of what I was talking about earlier being like just so incredibly exciting and fun to watch. Like they are unbelievable to watch. And, but they, you know, are they showing that they're postseason uh, built to built to win in the postseason? I'm not really sure. I mean, they fall behind, they come back, they score all these goals. It doesn't matter if their goaltender doesn't play well because they just outscore everyone. They're still averaging over four goals per game. They're on pace to score more goals than any team since 1996. That's what over a quarter century if my math checks out and it does uh, yeah. unbelievable entertainment value from them, but the Leafs are a close second. I mean, that game, I don't know if you watched it against Winnipeg, absolutely unbelievably entertaining with Matthews and his desire to score his 50th that night with the threat of the fight that, you know, in the, and what happened last time with Jason Spezza, Neil Pionk and everything, Logan Stanley, Mark Shifley celebrating in the dressing room. Like there was just, and they fell behind and then they came back and they won handedly like the Leafs are the most entertaining that they've been in my entire lifetime. They are turning what is a, a, a house full of ghosts, just crickets all the time at Scotiabank arena into one of the funnest places to watch hockey. Like that crowd was into it. The crowds are getting into it. Everyone's excited 
this season was supposed to be nothing happens. The regular season matters, but now you've got the Austin Matthews pursuit. You've got one of the most entertaining teams in hockey. That building is alive again. And it's really, really exciting. It's really exciting that fun teams are the teams that are excelling right now. The Tampa's, the Boston's, the Florida's, the Colorado's Calgary's the only one that sticks out as like, Hey, we we're, we're a Daryl Sutter team. We're supposed to be, they're not boring. They're branded as boring. They're not boring. All the teams that are good are exciting. And that's what has me so fired up for the first and second rounds of the playoffs. As you mentioned, where these teams are going to collide head to head. And if it is Florida and Toronto in the first round, uh, let's say Toronto does fall out. Like, do you think it's going to revert to something that we've seen in previous years where it's boring? No, this is going to be fire against fire. And it's going to be unbelievably entertaining to watch. I can't wait. And it, it doesn't matter that the, the series or that the races are over because we are prepping ourselves for what could be an extraordinary couple rounds of the postseason. One other team that I don't think you mentioned in all the in that group, and I think the reason why I didn't watch that Leafs-Jets game was because I was watching them instead, the Carolina Hurricanes. And, mm-hmm. and I know they played against the Canadians, and the Canadians are the Canadians, but the Carolina Hurricanes didn't give the Canadians anything, barely anything in the middle of the ice, and that's they why have skill I'm like, for days. That's why I'm, I didn't include them because I feel like they could be the team that sucks the life out of things. And that's a compliment. It's a compliment. Yeah. They're, they're a good team. They know how to, they, are. they know how to, they're well coached. They know how to play postseason hockey, even though they haven't had that much success in the postseason lately. But I feel like if Florida ran into them, problem, a problem for the Panthers, right? Because Carolina, Carolina doesn't want to play that firefight. They know how to play a structured brand of hockey more so than any team, I think, in the Eastern Conference. And that's why, like, I have all the respect in the world for them. Am I dying to watch them in the first round? I don't know if I'm dying to watch them in the first round. That's fair. But also from what I've seen from the Panthers, like they look like a really annoying team to play. Like, I feel like if they tough could think they're tough, like they, they forecheck like crazy. They're always getting into these like little scrums and whatever that like, like just watching them for an entire game. I was just like, this is an annoying team to play against in the playoffs. And I think even from what we saw against them in the lightning series last year, that was also just like they, they built up into that as well with all mm-hmm. the fights that we were seeing, giving us one of the best first round series we've seen in a long time. I, I think the Panthers, I still, I'm still confident that they're built for the playoffs. I know they had the snag against New Jersey, but they fought back and they got through it. And maybe Sergei Bobrovsky as a backup option to Spencer Knight or however they're platooning those two. I have questions about Sergei Bobrovsky as a goaltender right now, just when we all thought he was looking okay. But yeah. I think otherwise the Panthers... No one else in the in I, no one else I think in the Eastern Conference has a deeper forward core than them. They they don't have Aaron Eckblad right now, and when they have him back for the playoffs, he'll be healthy. Ben Chirot, we all thought he was not a good underlying metrics guy. He's actually looked I mean, pretty good. I'm a Chirot guy, you know. I'm a Chirot hey, guy. Hey, he's he he's actually looked pretty decent since he got flipped to Florida. Man, became a Florida man. He's looking all right. <laughs> the Florida Panthers. Don't I mean, of course, don't sleep on the Florida Panthers, but I think they're going to be all right when the Stanley Cup play- playoffs show up. And a Florida Carolina series, that might actually be really good. Oh, yeah. That might actually be really fun. I'm now I'm excited. I can't wait for these playoffs. We might really be in for some really good series this year. Florida Carolina be like, uh, well, I. I was going to say like a guy, Tiger King came to my head just because of the analogy I was trying to make, but literally like an expert zoo guy trying to keep a tiger in a cage. That's what that would be because they are so wild, Florida, literally the Panthers and Carolina is the team that could maybe, maybe rein them in. You know what else uh, the Florida Panthers do? What? With Aaron Eckblad out right now, they're playing five forwards on the power play. Like they just don't care. They're just like, Hey, like no other team. What other team does that? No other team does that. I'm convinced there's not a team in the NHL right now that's rolling out five forwards. And they're just like, whatever. We got Sasha Barkov. He'll get back and break up a rush. But if I'm the Toronto Maple Leafs and I'm playing the Florida Panthers and they're going to play five forwards against us on the power play. If I'm Mitch Marner, I am licking my chops. Mitch Marner is like the king of shorthanded expected goals. You'd have to uh, fact check that for me. Uh, anyone who's who is uh, watching or, or listening, you might have to fact check that for me. But I swear the Leafs lead in expected goals shorthanded because Mitch Marner is always a threat. David Camp always seems to be a threat. 
I'm excited at just Florida getting power plays. If those two play each yes. other and it's five forwards and Mitch Martyrs on the ice, uh, it would be very, very exciting at all times with those two teams, uh, just the way they're built and just the way they approach the game. I think it's, uh, I think it's very, very interesting. Another guy who is always interesting is Trevor Zegris. And we mentioned him earlier. Um, he is building his Calder case basically on sensational highlights. I don't think he's been the best rookie in the NHL this year. I actually think there are a few names that won't be considered that have probably outperformed him, like Tanner Janot in Nashville. Uh, you could maybe put Michael Bunting in there, although Michael Bunting's sort of been the face, I think, of that top line not playing very well in Toronto for the last couple of weeks. He's but I digress. Uh, he's definitely cooled off. Um, but there are a lot of great standout rookie performances. But the one that stands out the most because of the highlights is Trevor Zegers, who scored another sensational lacrosse goal uh, earlier this week, and then added to that by one of the by providing one of the most candid, interesting. I'm not going to say eloquent, but raw uh, post game interviews that we've seen in a long time. Basically all over Beagle, calling him out for what he did. So I, I guess I should run it down what exactly happened. Trevor Zegers scored that goal, lacrosse style again. I think it's even better than the first one because he did it around his teammate, most fittingly Sonny Milano. Unbelievable. Yeah. Scores another lacrosse goal. It's a blowout game for Anaheim. And Jay Beagle of the Arizona Coyotes playing out the string in his career, an angry old man, at least it seems, takes <laughs> exception, cross-checks Zegers at the chance that he gets, Troy Terry steps in for Trevor Zegras, eats about five or six punches to the face. Looks like an absolute mess in the post game. He's cut up. He's bruised up. Awful. Jay Beagle just teeing off on a guy that shouldn't be fighting anyway. And Trevor Zegras comes out in the post game, says he should be embarrassed for himself. Uh, he should be humiliated that he put himself in that position. Jay Beagle, that he did that, that he took exception to that. The Arizona Coyotes broadcast team is under fire for saying, if you want to skill it up, this is what the, the price you're going to have to pay, which is the most archaic thinking imaginable. And I'm glad everybody jumped on them. Uh, Tyson Nash in particular. Um, so a lot that went into it, basically, if you boil it down, it's the most skilled player in the entire NHL in terms of what he can do with the puck scoring maybe his best goal of the season in a long line of extraordinary goals. And then an old guy who got shipped out of Vancouver because he was a problem and probably doesn't get a contract next year, probably has 10 games or 11 games left in his NHL career. If we are so fortunate beating up another player on who tried to stick up for the player who's trying to take the game to another level. So what did you make of this whole situation? Zegris, Beagle, Tyson, Nash, Troy Terry's role, everything that went into this fracas. Oof, said a mouthful. Uh, first off, I think Trevor Zegers deserves so much credit for not just hiding behind hockey cliches and just not trying to talk about it. Instead, just putting himself out there and calling out Jay Beagle for his stupid antics. I thought that was, that for me was, like we were talking earlier about the league needing to be more and more personality driven. It's stuff like that that needs to come out in order to help it get to that point. Because yes, the league is trying to have more skill embedded in its game. Like I didn't even watch the, the Trevor Zegers goal uh, until like not too long ago. And I'm like, well, of course this is, this should just be part of the game. This should just be natural. This like, we have to stop thinking of skill plays as a way for, for teams to just like hot dog it or whatever and appreciate them for what they are a skill play that helps make a goal happen and helps a team get to winning. The fact that Trevor Zegers is in a position where he could do that, that should be just an accepted part of this game. And if you are going to try to stop it, why are you going to put yourself in a position where you're going to try to clock him after some random play that doesn't matter when you could, I don't know, defend the play, you know, defend the front of the net. The fact that the only, his only obstacle is Sonny Milano and otherwise there's an open cage there. The Arizona Coyotes should be ashamed of themselves and humiliated. Why don't you say that? for not defending that play properly. If anyone wants to feel embarrassed for that, the whole team should be for letting 
that play happened because they couldn't defend well. Not because they should be, not because of the fact someone has more skill than them. And maybe Jay Beagle just feels that way. He just be like, oh, well, you know, Trevor Zegers thinks he's some hot shot. Yeah, there's a reason why people are looking at Trevor Zegers as one of the most fun and exciting players in this league and why Jay Beagle's contract was shipped off to Arizona from, from Vancouver. And he is where he is. No disrespect, but all due respect, there's a reason why you're where you're at and why Trevor Zegers is where he is and fighting him and, and, and getting off on hurt feelings and trying to one up him for that is absolutely ridiculous. So the fact that Trevor Zegers actually went to the media and called them out for it. Maybe it's the media person in me talking. I loved it. And I hope that more people take that stand going forward because we don't need Neanderthals like that trying to stuff the game. If Jay Beagle and people like him, really want to get on on if they really want to stop a play like that from happening play some damn defense yeah i mean uh if trevor zegras quote unquote embarrassed them it pales into com- in comparison to how they embarrassed themselves both jay beagle and tyson nash for acting the way that they did and i get it you know it's on nash's thing it's the entertainment thing it is insanely biased obviously but you know there's some entertainment you're trying to ent- entertain the viewers I guess that's the excuse, but if that is the way you look at the game, and if that is the way that the Arizona Coyotes look at the game, well, then it's perfectly emblematic of who they are and what they are as a franchise. They are behind in every sense of the word. They are behind Mm -hmm. in the way that they look at the game. They are behind in the way that they create a fan experience, even 32,000 or 3,200 fans potentially for the next couple of years. They are behind in all facets of the game And this was a perfect example of it with a aging player who has no other answer for a, for a play and uh, a situation like that than to drop his gloves and try to beat the the tar out of someone who shouldn't be in that situation. So it's perfectly Arizona coyotes for me. It's perfectly Arizona coyotes. They are behind and this showed it in so many ways. And, you know, if you want to skill it up, maybe the Arizona coyotes should think about skilling it up. Yes, you know. in some degree, because the only way they're going to be not in this situation is by getting more skill into their roster and, and just trying to win hockey games. Maybe they'll get a rank if, if that happens. Yeah, you know, at this point, they have to worry about filling up their their arena at ASU while everyone else gets to enjoy Trevor Zegras and Jack Hughes and Cole Caulfield and a wave of young talent trying to just use their skill to their advantage and help the game actually be better as opposed to just being some, I don't know, just, just being an idiot, just trying to get a guy out of play that happened well after the lacrosse play. Like, I just think it's just absolutely ridiculous to get to that point. Again, if you want that stuff to stop happening to you, you don't want to feel embarrassed actually defend the damn play and don't put your team in a position where you're going to allow stuff like that. Just getting to a fight well after the fact doesn't solve anything for anybody. It's absolutely abhorrent. And for Tyson Nash to go up and, and try to uplift that viewpoint that he was saying, I mean, come on. I think everyone else has dumped on it enough. We all know people should not be thinking this way. I I, I, I think for you got to give your head a shake when it comes to the Arizona Coyotes, as far as I'm concerned. They do not look good in this. If we had the opposite of tire pumps, you give them like the L of the week or something. You got to give them that as far as I'm concerned, because the way that pretty much on down from the organization to the broadcast team, they took a big L for how they handled the Trevor Zegers experience. It's one thing to have that goal scored upon you. It's going to happen. You're going to get embarrassed. But to to just kind of act as outwardly as they did, like, come on, dude, like, get over yourselves. I, this this has me really heated, if, if you can't tell. This mm-hmm. is absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. And again, I give Trevor Zegers a lot of a lot of points for stepping up and saying something about it and calling out the BS that it is. The opposite of the tire pump has to be the whoopee cushion. It's uh, air coming out of something and making a noise that, uh, you know, you know, you know what happens with the whoopee cushion. Uh, you should workshop that idea. That's a good idea. There you go. Uh, Trevor Zegers. It was interesting. I, what do you think he was looking around? Like my buddy said the other day that, you know, is he looking for, was uh, Jay Beagle going to pop up? I thought it was like, the PR. It's like, I think he went rogue there a little bit. Cause it was like in the hallway. It was like, is the PR guy coming? Like what, what's, what's going on here? I think I actually respect him more that he's like cognizant that he probably shouldn't be doing this. And he probably wouldn't have done it around the PR guy, but he was, you know, he slipped out the back door and was talking to 
just one or one or two reporters and provided that uh, sound clip. There is shout one... out to the reporter. There's like one reporter, like after that edited, he's like, that's good for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, say, good. you say what everyone else is saying at that moment. We all would have said the same thing. Like, I don't need him to say anything else. Yeah. He said what we needed. It was like, uh, and he had the clip too. Like he could have probably cut that like little end off, but uh, I don't know. Uh, it doesn't have to. It's funny that way. A little comic relief on what was obviously yeah. a bit of a intense situation. I will say though, this is an example. A lot of people want fighting out of the game, want fighters out of the game. Does this happen if the Ducks don't trade Nick Delorier to the Minnesota Wild? Nick Delorier, one of the tougher guys in the league. Nick Delorier, one of the leader, league leaders in fights. Is Jay Beagle going out there and throwing punches at Troy Terry if Nick Delorier is still on the team? I am not sure. Um, but it's another. It's more evidence to suggest that maybe having those players uh, could prevent a guy like Troy Terry from... Um, getting beat the way he did. So uh, again, I, I, I like functional toughness personally. I think Nick, Del- Nick Deloria is actually functionally tough. I think he can play a little bit, um, but you know, he, that was the situation that, you know, uh, would call for Deloria for sure. Uh, and he wasn't there because they traded him and they, and they should have, you get something for Deloria, you, sh- you should do that. But another example of like, you know, that's just something to consider. Yeah, like function. I like the way you put it. Functional toughness. Like, fine, you're in the lineup to be tough, but you're able to contribute to the actual aspect of the game that matters, which is scoring. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think with fighting, while I'm not the biggest fan of like, okay, two guys just like doing some kind of premeditated fight, when scrums like break out and chaos breaks loose, like there's a part of me that looks at it and is like, oh, okay, there's chaos. And like, I think that's ultimately going to be a part of the game, regardless of whatever happens with fighting, like scrums are not going to stop and people aren't going to try to get out of the scrum and do a one-on-one thing. Like that's just, that's just going to happen. That's that I've just kind of accepted that as a thing. Uh, But yeah, I'm not like the biggest fan of fighting, so to speak, but yeah, I think if at the very least, if Nick Deloria was there, maybe if Jay Beagle was going to pick on, was going to pick on him, maybe if he's on the ice, he tries to break that up and tries to make that happen. But like, I don't know, like it, it, I, I, he can't be on the ice all the time. And you yeah. certainly can't, you can't have a guy, your enforcer come off the bench and try to fight, you know, that that's, that's not something that could happen. That's just, it's unfortunately things that are going to happen. What has to happen though, is that the league has to spot stuff like that and have the wherewithal to say, okay, well, we can't have stuff like this happen. Jay Beagle currently was, was clearly making an ass of himself and he should be disciplined as mm-hmm. such that's what i think should have to have that's that's a way to try to curb some of that but is the nhl going to do that that remains to be seen it's been a couple of days we haven't heard anything from the dops so i'm led to believe nothing's yeah, going to happen I to anything's happening. yeah i mean i think jay beagle uh, i guess i don't think he i think he thought he was the toughest guy on the ice and i don't think he would have thought that if nick delorio was on the other bench but i agree you know that's uh, you're right. It's more on the department of player safety to try and curb this sort of behavior. Um, but you know, it, it sometimes it has to happen with in, within because JB Beagle can find himself on the ice with two star players and think he's basically untouchable. And I think in that moment he did believe that. And that's, you know, as we mentioned, that's about all he can say for the rest of his career here, because there's not much of a spot for him. I don't think in the NHL anymore with how this game is going, as we mentioned off the top with all this skill and everything that's happening. I mean, that's not what's being prioritized, prioritized what Jay Beagle provides. And that's uh, clearly evident with what we saw this week. Uh, Let's go to our last topic, which is the Philadelphia Flyers decision to scratch Keith Yandel after 989 consecutive games. It was playing out perfectly for him to go a thousand straight games before the end of the season then they could wipe their hands clean of him. Uh, but they decided to scratch him anyway in order to get a prospect named Ronnie Adderd into the lineup. And Ronnie Adderd went minus four in 15 minutes against the Toronto Maple Leafs on Saturday night in place, of, in place of Keith Yandel. So that doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Yes, if Keith Yandel had missed a game 450 games ago, uh, this wouldn't be a story, obviously, because it wouldn't mean anything. Um, but this is, this league is a meritocracy. You have to earn your position. So this comes, this is the conundrum that Ironman streaks provide. And I wrote about it when Keith Yandel actually passed Doug Jarvis earlier in the year about the Ironman burden and what it does to teams and how teams have to sort of respect it, but toe the line and, and figure out what is actually most important in the moment. 
And for Philly, it's hard to argue that anything is more important than Keith Handel's streak because they are a second to last place team. They are awful. They have no business um, really trying to achieve anything else, but this nice story, right? Like they've already traded their captain. Like you're trying to save face. I don't know how you save face, but this would be at least be something that they could look forward to. And of course they'd made the decision to get a prospect in the lineup uh, over him. And I get both sides of the argument, but when you have nothing else to play for, and this guy has been a good employee and is at the point where he can get to a nice round number and you could cut bait after that and it can be all be over and it doesn't mean they got themselves into this themselves they're the ones that picked him up from florida after he was bought out so they knew what they were getting into and they still made the decision anyway despite these games not being important to have him not play so in that the way i frame it there it doesn't look good but again it is a meritocracy so where do you stand on this yeah, I, the Flyers don't have anything to play for, so I don't get why they did this. I mean, it's one thing to be like, you know what, the season, the games don't matter. Let's put a prospect in, but why? I, it's still not clear to me why Keith Yandel had to be the sacrificial lamb to make that work, knowing that he had the streak that he had, and if you just let him play a few more games, you let it get to that round number, as you mentioned. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't understand that. I, I don't get it. If the Flyers were in a position where they could still make the playoffs, and Keith Yandel was really holding them back from doing so then i would understand but the flyers have been bad all year why are you now making that decision to to take him out of the lineup what is that going to serve to have uh this prospect ronnie adderd play and geez and for minus four and 15 minutes that's geez that's tough <laughs> but it, it clearly didn't work for them to do that so yeah i don't get why they would want to do that in the situation i don't get what purpose it actually serves you have nothing to play for beyond better draft lottery odds. And if you really feel that putting in Ronnie Adderd as opposed to Keith Yandel helps you get better draft lottery odds, even if it comes at the expense of what could be like a good, like a somewhat decent thing for Flyers fans to follow at the very least. I don't know, man. I think the Flyers, the Flyers were bad enough. They didn't have to do any of this. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I disagree with that. And I don't like the idea of him being scratched out of the lineup that way. It almost seems like a desperate attempt to like assert or show that you have power or authority. Like wh- why else? Like Yandel has held and Yandel hasn't held it over teams deliberately, but the only reason why this streak remains is that the streak was intact already. Right. Florida wanted to scratch yep. him last year and Yandel just wanted to play. He just wanted to do his job. He just want whatever. Like he just, and I guess the team stepped up and they're like, Hey, why are you scratching this guy? Like he's got a thing going. Like you should keep him in the lineup. He stayed in the lineup the entire year, 56 games for the Florida Panthers who went to the playoffs for the first time in not forever, but it's a rare occurrence or it had been a rare occurrence for them going to the playoffs. And he got scratched immediately in the postseason. I think actually he did play the first couple of games scratched very quickly because he wasn't he didn't earn his spot in terms of the he didn't earn his spot the meritocracy worked against him but his streak was the reason why he stayed in the lineup his streak was the reason why he found a home probably and now philadelphia is like oh no you like you're you don't run things here we actually run things we're a real organization and we're going to put a real prospect into the game because he might put us in a position where we can have better results. Of course, it didn't work out that way. Keith Yandel has been one of the worst defensemen in the NHL, but Ronnie Adderd is not ready to give you anything better than that at this point in his career. And yeah, I guess you want those development games when they don't really matter, but guess what? This guy's not going to be a game changer for you. And if he was, you probably don't even want to put him in this position where he's going to be a part of a losing environment. No, I don't think so. And yeah, man, congratulations to the Philadelphia Flyers for showing that they're a real team and showing, you know, hey, they're they're a real organization. And that, Mike Yo's a you know, real they, coach in this he's chance a real to coach. be a coach again. Oh yeah, man, the Philadelphia Flyers lasted in the Metropolitan Division, 21, 36, and 11, 53 points. That's a that's some real organizational stuff there that you really showed us that you're a real organization. You're doing some really great things. The Flyers stink. <laughs> yes they do uh, they and they stink. and they deserve they for suck. how they've operated 
to have this blowback when they could have easily had this nice PR moment, thousand games at the end of the season. You maybe have your last game, not suck. Maybe you don't lose your last game or at least overall on the night because you were able to celebrate a pretty cool achievement. The next one we should watch here. And I, again, I wrote about the Iron Man burn. You can find on Yahoo on my Twitter. Um, Cause I shared it recently is Phil Kessel. Phil Kessel has actually also passed Doug Jarvis, I believe, yeah. or at least very close. He's going close. to pass Keith Yandel likely while well, Keith Yandel's streak is now over at 989. So Phil Kessel's probably going to keep playing. He's probably going to play next year and pass Yandel, but what's going to happen then? Because the next team that puts Phil Kessel in the lineup and Hey, we all thought he was going to go somewhere at the deadline. He didn't. Why? Because they probably didn't want to have to promise him that he'd be in the lineup every night. If we're being honest, it costs a lot. Yes. But do you want to trade for a guy who's going to be like, no, I need to be in the lineup. Uh, I, I'm going to be in the lineup because I have this streak going. So who's going to go next year and sign Phil Kessel? Is it going to be Arizona? Because do they want the PR thing? They could use it, I guess, after Jay Beagle. But are they going to want to put him in the lineup every night? Thankfully for them, or for whatever team does pick up Phil Kessel, maybe they can convince him after a 1,000 games, after setting the record, after passing Yandel, after hitting that round number, that, hey, it doesn't really matter. Let's rest you a little bit. Because I think Phil Kessel could be an asset to a team. But do I think he could play 82 games? Well, he, he definitely has proven that he can play 82 Actually, games. Yeah, but yeah, can he be a dominant cool. force? Can he be very good? Can he be at his best for 82 straight games? I don't think so. He's in that sort of part of his career where a night off, a couple games off, would help him. It was the same for Patrick Marlowe. He refused. It was the same probably for Keith Yandel. He didn't want anything. He didn't want that. It's a problem. Yeah. It's a problem. I, I These guys understand. that build Iron Man streaks, they'd be better off sitting. And that's the irony of all of it. <laughs> down with these iron bad streaks how dare we celebrate longevity in the national hockey league how dare and i'm we? speaking on both sides oh, of my mouth because i'm like they should play him but also if you didn't have this maybe you'd have a better situation in your career right now it's a it's be a, healthier it's a the weird team thing. might not be last place in their division and you might not be the worst at your position or yeah, you might be out of the league because you're not good enough and the only reason why they got you is because they wanted to keep this iron man streak going for you Ooh. That might don't be the thing with the handle. That might be the thing with the handle. Don't hit us with the truth, Justin Cuthbert. Don't do that. It's too early in the morning to record this podcast yeah. to do that. Oof. Patrick Marlowe still Patrick Marlowe's still denying that truth, I think. Uh, although he got what he wanted, which was Gordy Howe's record and not a Stanley Cup. Okay. Let's go to the time. Not a Hall of Famer, like we established on that one podcast. Did we? I said what I I, we did. I, I, I think we, I, I I'm, I'm sort of anti Marlowe too. I mean, just overall. So I, I feel like I'd be in that camp as well. I'd have to go back. Yeah, and, I don't know. I guess I should have my yeah. thoughts like, you know, not wavering, but whatever. Uh, tire pumps. Do we have any? We, we did the I whoopee cushion. We did the whoopee cushion for uh, our friends in Arizona. I'll let you pump away and maybe I'll have one as well. Um, the one I'm going to give to, even though it's been a few days, the University of Concordia women's hockey team for becoming national champions in youth sports. Uh, congratulations to them. First time in over 20 years, they were able to do it. Anytime I get to shout out my alma mater, pretty good to do. I know, I know I rep Syracuse pretty hard. I did the masters there, but mm -hmm. I spent three years at Concordia doing my bachelor's degree there. It's important to rep the alma mater when I can, even in this case, I have two in Concordia being national champions in women's hockey for the first time in over 20 years. That is a really big deal. And I think that is worthy of so many tire pumps. So congratulations, ladies. Congratulations to Julie Chu, Olympian, head coach of that team for cool. leading Concordia uh, to glory. So uh, congratulations to the women's team and uh, go Stingers. I'll, I'll give my tire pump to Eugene Melnick uh, and the Ottawa Senators. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we talked, we actually talked about when you went and covered a game in Ottawa uh, a couple weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah what was sort of redeeming and what was sort of funny about Ottawa and the community feel to all that. But guess what? It's a meaningful thing, a pillar in the community. And it's what Eugene Melnick provided to that community. Now we you know we can get into the whole rich guy thing. We don't have to do that. He brought something or he used his money to bring joy to people in Ottawa and to create a franchise that is a part of 
obviously the NHL, but a part of our lives. I mean, the Ottawa-Toronto rivalry when I was growing up was huge. Watching Ottawa go to the Stanley Cup final in 2007 was huge. That run against Pittsburgh where they were a goal away and they could have taken that Stanley Cup away potentially from Pittsburgh was so much fun. And I had the chance to cover it. I mean, Eugene Ellick's an important person in that community. Of course, he died uh, last week. So my condolences to the family, a tire pump to him and to his family, a tire pump for Brady Kachuk for showing, you know, just delivering the perfect tweet to sort of capture what he meant and what he will continue to mean to that community. Um, this isn't the perfect hockey owner person. And that all, we could all like discuss what's next later. Um, but for now, this is a guy who does deserve the respect of the hockey community and he does deserve a tire pump from us. So I will give Eugene Melnick, uh, may he rest in peace, a tire pump uh, today. Yeah. Uh, well said. Uh, and my condolences to uh, Eugene and his family as well. And yeah, I think the, a lot of people have described how complicated his legacy is. Uh, and, and I think people have the right to do that, but I think at the end of the day, when you really strip down all of the controversies and things that were set aside, a, a man lost their life and a family lost an important person in their family. So they're they're in a grieving process right now. So I think of the rest of Eugene Meldick's family uh, in this really tough time. And he fought for the Ottawa Senators. And this isn't a team that's it's not a franchise that was guaranteed anything, but he fought for them. And they're still the Ottawa Senators because of him. So, you know. There, there's some definitely some respect there, and and uh, you know fans should be thankful that they were able to have they're able to have their hockey team, and that's in part because uh, of Eugene Melnick. Um, yeah. Let's leave it there, Julian. It was nice to catch up with you again. Likewise, after a week off, uh, very yeah. fun. I hope I'm on zone time this week because I haven't quite had my fill, so I'm hoping for that. Uh, but uh, you know, we'll have many episodes down the stretch here we'll get into the playoffs everything is fun as i was discussing and we were discussing before uh and i can't wait to break down more nhl hockey with you every sunday on the yahoo sports hockey podcast i appreciate you brother i appreciate you too brother and i can't wait for the playoffs because i mean unlike last year where i had to cover a team go through this magical run I get to kick back my feet and actually relax and actually mm. get some sleep in between these games. So I'm actually looking forward to being well-rested and actually breaking down, or I don't know how you're going to do it for the playoffs, but uh, I'm looking forward to how it's going to go down over these next few weeks. Yeah. We're still figuring out all of our plans. I will be writing about the Maple Leafs in the playoffs pretty closely. We're going to have leaf uh, coverage uh, video coverage as well. You and I are going to be doing more league focused stuff. Zone time. We'll do, be doing more league focused stuff. We'll have more video We'll have as much of it covered as we possibly can, but we're making those plans now. And of course, we'll both be here when those plans are finalized. And I can't wait for that. So again, for Julian, Justin Cuthbert, thanks for listening to the Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast. Peace. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.